to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Awesome. So if you have your Bible, why don't you grab it and turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you don't know where that is in the Bible, it's just before 2 Timothy. It's about nine, maybe 85% of the way through the Bible. There is no shame in looking in the table of contents if you don't know where it is, okay? And also, we're going to put it up on the screen. And I want to read that, and then I just want to share with you out of that a little bit. And um, I'm speaking today, if you're taking notes, if you want to write down at the title of uh, this message, I'm calling it The New You. The New You, okay? It's the New Year, New You. Anybody excited for the New Year? Yes? All right. Well, let me read this scripture and we'll get into it. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. And I'll give you a little bit of context. Uh, This is written by the Apostle Paul, and he is writing to a young pastor named Timothy. Paul had planted a church in a a progressive, multicultural city, the city of Ephesus. He had planted the church, and then he had put Timothy in as the lead pastor with other leaders in the church, and he had moved on, and now he's writing back to them. They've had a great start, but he's writing to them about the things ahead of them, encouraging them that it wasn't just good enough to start well, but they needed to continue uh, on with that spirit and that faith in which they started. And he said this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He says, but reject profane and old wives' fables. I'll explain what that means in a little bit. And exercise yourself toward godliness. I was letting that sink in. Exercise yourself toward godliness, for bodily exercise profits a little. It does profit. Bodily exercise profits. But godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of life that now is and that which is to come. Let me just read verse 8 again. Bodily, prof- bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of life that now is and that which is to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you that your word is living and active. And God, we pray that on this last Sunday of 2018, God, we pray that our, our hearts would lean into you today. God, we pray that we would not check out, but Father, that we would lean in in faith to receive from your word today. Speak to us now today, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this is the, as I mentioned already, the last Sunday of 2018. And uh, this is the time of year that we all are putting away all of the Christmas goodies and we begin to make some resolutions for the new year. How many of you made, are making some resolutions? How many of you are making some goals? How many of you are still allowing the eggnog to wear off? Any, any of you are still in, in the eggnog? Uh, Well, this is the time of year. So many people make resolutions. We make goals and plans for the new year. And uh, I, I think that's a great, great thing. It's been said, if you, if you shoot for nothing, you'll hit it every time, right? So it's better to make some plans than to just kind of float in. And so we all make plans. There's, or, or many of us set goals. Maybe you've, you set goals financially. Uh, maybe you're setting, you know, maybe you want to get out of debt. Maybe you want to save a certain amount of money. Uh, maybe you're looking to buy a home. 
Maybe it's health goals. Uh, maybe you're, you're wanting to get more active. You're wanting to lose weight. You're wanting to maybe run a, a marathon or a triathlon. Anybody have hopes for that in 2019? Some of you, just lift your hand up. If you're going to do a triathlon or a marathon, lift your hand up. If that's you, Brad has his hand up. All right, this is a moment of accountability, everybody. Brad, Brad is saying, so we're just all going to be holding Brad accountable uh, this year. Just a half. Okay. He's, he's already backtracking, folks. It was marathon now, but uh, <laughs> just a half. But we all set goals in so many things. But the reality is that oftentimes when it comes to our spiritual life, we fail to have any sense of goals or expectation or even preparation. You know, many of us make goals in so many things. We make goals physically. We make goals financially. Maybe you make goals relationally. You want to have a weekly date night or a regular date night or maybe just a date night, whatever it is. But you want to set those goals. But oftentimes when it comes to our spiritual life, we just kind of have a case, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be mentality, a laissez-faire mentality. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We... Man, we are ready to, to hustle in our career. We've got the plan for everything. But when it comes to our spiritual life, we're just going the organic route. How, how many of you know what I'm talking about? It's just, I'm, I'm just organic. It's just kind of, you know, I'm just doing that thing, you know, just I don't want to put any parameters on it. And uh, you, have you ever talked to somebody like that? It's like, you know, I'm not really into commitment and spiritually. I don't want to commit to stuff because I just want it to be organic, well, I'd love for you to come over to my yard. I'll show you what organic looks like, okay? My backyard is 100% organic and is full of weeds. How many of you know, if, even if you want organic, which organic, organic actually just means life or, or living, but if you want life in any area of life, if you want to experience growth, it requires intentionality. It requires effort. It requires, there, there is no, you won't stumble into financial success in 2019. Maybe your plan is just to play the lottery in 2019. Well, you, it's gonna, you're going to have to even play, plan that, okay? That's not just going to fall out of the sky. I'm not encouraging you to play the lottery, okay, just for the record. But you're not going to stumble into health. How many of you had the stumble diet in 2018? You know what I'm saying? You're not going to stumble into those things. You're not going to stumble into a flourishing marriage or an a, a, a advancing career. It's not just going to happen by itself. And the same thing is true when it comes to your spiritual life. Oftentimes, we like to get so kind of ethereal, just kind of like misty, foggy, you know, when it comes to our spiritual life. But Paul says here, You've got to exercise yourself. In other words, if you want what God has for you, it requires effort. It requires growth. And I want to encourage you today that your spiritual life isn't just your spiritual life. It's actually your real life. Your spiritual life is, sometimes we think, well, I'm, I've got my health plan I've got my financial plan. I've got my relationship plan. And I'm just going to have my spiritual plan on top of that. Well, I have news for you. You are a spirit. We are, we are a spirit in a body. And so 
whatever our spirit, whatever plan we are working, it flows out of our spirit. And so you can have a plan in every other area of life, but if you don't have a plan for your spirit, ultimately those things will be short-lived. It's the condition of your spirit that determines the condition of your life. And so if we want to flourish in the fullness of everything that God has for us in 2019, we need to have a plan. We need to be intentional about those things. Now, let me just say this before I get into it. I know that even as 2018 ends, I know that many of us can look back and we have regrets or maybe we feel disappointed or we don't feel like we made what, you know, progress that we, we wanted to make. And I had this beautiful picture that I just felt like even during worship, God showed me. I was down here in worship and I was just worshiping the Lord. All of a sudden, I felt this little hand on my arm. And I looked over as my daughter, Clara. She's in this little tutu, just like, so cute, okay? And, uh, and I reached over, and I grabbed her. And I, when I grabbed her, I just felt like God just said to me, that's how I feel about you. Now, let me tell you, what has Clara accomplished in 2018? Some growth, what she's made some messes she's made you know some dirty diapers there's nothing that that she's accomplished that makes me look at her and go you're killing it clara <laughs> like you are winning come here girl no that's not it i just go i love you you are mine come here honestly even as i was sitting down there i just felt like god uh, was stirring my heart maybe to share that with you guys and to be honest, I thought, well, I, am I, should I interrupt worship right now? And I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. And then Brittany Smith came over to me and said the exact same thing. I said, okay, God, I get it, all right? And so God, I believe God is wanting us to know, he's wanting you to know, whatever 2018 has been, maybe it was disappointment for you. He, you are not a disappointment to God. God loves you. He has good plans for you. He has a good future for you. Sometimes the things that we want to do may not be the things that God has for us to do, or maybe he has them for us, but it's not the right time. And so I want you to know if maybe, maybe you had this for the one, maybe there was one person that you were believing God for in 2018, and maybe you just never even had a conversation with them about Christ. I, I want you to know that God, that doesn't mean that you're a disappointment. Maybe you're believing God for every square inch. Maybe there was something at the beginning of the year. We prayed for things, and maybe you'd say, man, I didn't achieve that. Well, the goodness of God is still available to us. And so whatever the past has been, I believe that God just wants us to allow him to overwhelm that with his love. Amen? But he also wants to encourage us to exercise, to, to, to give intentionality towards the growth of our spirit in 2019. And so I want to give you uh, some things that I believe we need if we're going to exercise spiritually in 2019, if we're going to fulfill everything that God has for us. The first thing I want you to see is that exercise requires a clear purpose. It requires a clear purpose. How many of you know if you go uh, to the gym and you meet with a trainer, what's the first question they're going to ask you? What do you want to do? What are you looking to accomplish? If you're going, you know, I'm, I wanna, I'm going to win a bodybuilding competition, they're going to go, okay, uh, we got some work to do, right? 
If you said, um, I want to run a marathon, they're going to train you differently depending on what the purpose is for which you're training. The same is true if you go to a financial planner uh, and you say, you know, help me with my financial life. They're going to say, what are your goals? Is it early retirement? Is it savings? Is it pay off debt? What are you looking to accomplish? And the same thing is true when it comes to our spiritual lives. Oftentimes in our spiritual life or the condition of our spirit, we just have this kind of vague idea. You know, it's, we just want to be spiritual. Well, that's like saying, I just want to be financial. Or I'm just looking to be physical. You know, I just want to get physical. I'm just looking to get physical. The trainer will be like, you're there. Right? You're, you're there. And uh, that's the problem. You've been too physical, maybe. But we have to have a clear purpose. A clear purpose, and Paul tells us here the clear purpose for our spiritual lives. He says, exercise yourself toward godliness. Godliness. I know for many of us, when we hear that, uh, you know, maybe that's not on your list or your goal for 2019. Uh, Maybe even when you hear that, you think of godliness, you think of some sort of kind of religious, pious, Um, you know, kind of uptight sort of person, and they're really godly. Let me tell you this. Nothing could be further from the truth of what godliness is. Because in order to understand godliness, you first must understand who God is. There is no such thing as godliness apart from God. And God is not pious, religious, uptight, in fact, God is the, he's the, he's the creator. He's the giver of life. Philosophers can pontificate on the meaning of life. Scientists can, can look at the evidences of life, but only God can give life. And so within every single one of us, there is this sense of a longing for life. There's this desire. Why do people set goals or Plans for a new year. Why is it? Because there's this longing that's saying, man, this is the life that I have to live. I don't want to waste it. I want to pack as much living into my life as I can. And the, the greatest way to pack as much life into your life as you can is to, to connect with the giver of life who is God. Everything that has its being originates. The life originates with God. Paul says this, that exercise, spiritual exercise towards godliness has the promise of life that now is and the life to come. So the promise or the purpose, the purpose is, is godliness, but the promise is life. Life that now is, the promise of life. And that's really the story of the gospel. You could sum up the whole gospel in one word, life. God gives life, but we, through our disobedience, separated ourselves from the source of life and received death, but God wasn't content to leave us in that place. The Bible says he so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not die, but would have everlasting life. And so 
God, the source of life. And not just God. Sometimes we think of God and it's just this ethereal, you know, religious, philosophical, higher power. He is a higher power. But the Bible says this, that that we don't just have to think about this ethereal thing, but that God put on flesh and blood. That God came, the Bible says He came and He lived among us. That Jesus is the fullness of God incarnate. And so if you want to know what life looks like, life looks like the person of Jesus. The greatest life that's ever walked the earth is the person of Jesus. And so if you have a longing for life in your heart, ultimately that longing will only be fulfilled in relationship, in connection to Jesus, the source of life. That's why he said in John 10.10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. What does he mean, more abundantly? He's not talking about just a quantity of life. He's talking about a quality of life. God's purpose for your life is not to just stay vertical as long as you can. It's not for you to just stay above ground as long as you can. God's purpose through Jesus is not even just lowering the entry-level requirements into heaven. It's so that you would experience the life that you were intended for right here and now. He says it's the promise of life that now is and the life to come. And so God's plan isn't just for you to go to heaven it's for, and you to get into heaven. It's for heaven to get into you. I don't want to live a life in 2019 that I'm just biding time until I get to heaven. I want to live a life in 2019 that I have the life of God living inside of me. That word life in the original language, it's the word zoe. I have a niece named Zoe, and she is full of life. But it it, it means it's not just a biotic thing. It's not just a physical. It's not Life is not just a pulse. It's not just air in your lungs. Zoe is the, it's not just a physical life. It's the God kind of life. God's plan is that every one of us through Jesus would experience that Zoe life, that we would have life and life to the fullest. And he says it has the promise of life, the promise of life. How many of you know there's some things that give false promises of life? We, We can fall into false promises of life. How many of you know every marketer understands the need to make a promise? A promise of life, right? Like if you're in marketing, you don't advertise your product. You advertise the promise of the life it will give you, right? Like Apple doesn't doesn't advertise. um, We make pretty good computers, and they're expensive too. That's not how they advertise. They advertise think differently. If you want to live differently, if you want to be creative, if you want to think outside of the box, then you're going to have to have an Apple, a Mac, Right? That's the way, that's, right? That's, anybody seen Simon Sinek? Uh, start with why, right? Anybody seen that? What's he talking about? He's saying that, that in, in that talk, he talks about the fact that we need to understand the why or that marketing starts with the, the why behind the what. And those things are great. It's great, um, you know, to, 
Maybe it's in finances and it's, man, I have a, if I could get to this goal, then I could experience that kind of life. Maybe it's in a relationship. You feel like if I could just get into a relationship, then, man, I'd really experience that kind of life. And let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with those things. Those things can be a good expression of life, but they cannot be the source of life. They cannot give you life. How many of you have ever wanted something only to get it and realize it did not satisfy you? I'm looking for a new iPhone right now because I want to think differently. And uh, I can get caught up in, man, i got to get this phone. I can take these pictures, and I'll have more memory. I can do all of these things. And Brad's looking at me confused because he's an Android man. But, you know, I, I can feel like, man, I just have to get this because then I'll really, you know, I'll really be happy. Well, that may last for a moment, but there's going to be something else. Why? Because it's a false promise of life. And Paul says this, he says, reject old profane and old wives' fables. What's an old wife? It's a thing of the past. Some of you are like, that's kind of personal. <laughs> An old wife is a thing of the past. He says, reject, and what's a fable? A fable is a falsehood. It's something that is not true. So Paul says you need to reject old wives' fables. You need to reject things of the past that are not true. Some of you in 2018 fell for old wives' fables that if you could just get this, then you would have life. If you could just get to that place in your career, then you would have life. If you could just get into that relationship, then you would have life. If you could just, you know, accomplish this, then you would have life. Let me tell you, it's an old wives' fable. It's a false promise of life. Those things can be great expressions of life, but they will never give you life. That's why if you're looking for a relationship, you should never look for somebody that is not happy being single. That's some wisdom mom gave to us. Don't marry an unhappy girl. And the same is true for a guy, because if they are looking for someone that will fulfill them, they have bought into a false promise, an empty promise. It won't produce life. But when you receive life, he says it has godly exercise profits in all things. And so your career or relationship or even your health, if you're looking for that as a source of life and satisfaction, you'll always come up empty. How many of you know, even in physical health, it's good to be physical, it's good to be physically healthy. The, the, the jury is in, exercise is good, okay? But how many of you know that if you feel like, man, if I could just get to that place, if I just got another muscle here, if I just could do a little bit more there, then I'd be happy. Anybody ever been into the locker room at the gym? I don't know about your gym. Maybe it's just at my gym. Anybody ever seen one of those guys in the guys' locker room? Maybe it's in the women's locker room. I don't know. But in the locker room, and, and forgive me if you're a guest here today. This has value to it. But anybody ever seen one of those? There's always an old man in the locker room that's about 95 years old. 
and just a little too bold. Who, who knows what I'm talking about? He is just bold, strutting his stuff. Is there the same thing in the women? No, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. It's free. He's free. He, what is he saying? He's just saying, guys, let me just let you know, this is the future. Try as you may, this is where it ends. Let me just keep perspective on what you're doing. Yes, it is good, but ultimately it is a false promise, right? Ultimately, exercise, if that's your goal, your body's all end in the same way. But I'm glad to tell you that Jesus came and gave his life so that you could have life now and in the life to come. And we have the promise that regardless of what this life brings, regardless of what 2019 holds in store for you, there will be a day. The Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body. So that may be the end in the natural, but it's not the end in the spirit. Amen. Anybody thankful for that? Come on. And so we need a clear purpose. Not only do we need a clear purpose, that purpose is godliness. And so your career will never satisfy you if it's just advanced to a certain point. You'll never get to that point. Your health, you'll never get to that point that that'll satisfy you. A relationship will never satisfy you. But when you get... Uh, the, when you begin to grow spiritually, as you begin to become more uh, like Jesus in the image of God, those things can't be the source of your life, but there are places where you will begin to express the life of God. And so the joy will not be found in achieving something in your career. It will be found in becoming more like Jesus in your career. It will be found in being more godly in a relationship, not just having a relationship, but being more godly as a husband, more godly as a wife, more godly as a father or as a mother, whatever season of life you're in. And so the goal, the clear objective, the clear purpose has to be godliness. But not only do we need a clear purpose, we also need a doable plan. We need a doable plan. If you went to the gym and you said, I want to get active, I want to work out. The trainer would say, okay, well, let's talk about what exercises you're going to do. No, I don't really want to do exercises. I just want to be in the gym. I'm going to go to the gym. How many of you know going to the gym does nothing for you, right? It's the exercises. I mean, you can, have, you can be a card-carrying member. Of, you can wear workout clothes all the time. It feels good. You feel sporty, but it does nothing for you. You know what I'm saying? And, and so you need not just a purpose. You need a doable plan. And here's where we need to understand the difference between the source of life and the means of life. Or if God is our source of life, what are the things that he uses to bring that life into our life, to experience life? There are many Christians that, that are spiritually alive but are functionally dead or functionally languishing spiritually. As far as God's concerned, they they have the, the abundance of life, but in their actual functional day-to-day life, they are living where there's no difference between them and people that are dead. There's many Christians, when you look at them, they say, I'm a follower of Jesus, 
and they've been born again, but there is no difference between them and someone else, not because they have a bad source, but they're not implementing the right means to experience the life. I'll give you an example. That would be like me saying, I have a million dollars in the bank. I don't, but it would be like me saying, I've got a million dollars in the bank. I could go into a store and I could buy, try to buy something and they could say, well, the cost is, you know, $1.99. And I could say, well, I've got a million dollars in the bank. They'd be like, good for you. That doesn't pay for this, right? Because you not only need the source, you also need the means, right? You need what is cash, what is credit, what is all of these things. It's a means of payment. It's it's channeling the wealth that you have. Does this make sense? It's the means to bringing that into experience. And so many followers of Jesus, spiritually, they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. They have abundance of life, but functionally, they, they live far below that. I'll give you another illustration. Um, since we're talking about Apple, and a phone. My wife and I have this problem. We can never find a cord to charge our phone. Anybody else, you have that problem? Some of you may have my cords. If you don't have that problem, you've taken my, my cord. But I have, so I have, my, I have my phone, but I can't charge it. Not because I don't have power, but I don't have the means to get the power from the source, which is actually much further than my wall. But to get it from there into functional power in my phone. I need the means. I need a cord. And God gives us the means. Paul says it this way, exercise yourself. That word exercise, the original language is gymnazo. Gymnazo. It means to practice naked. There's been more naked talk today than what we normally have, but that's what it means. It means to... It means to practice naked. It, it's the idea is the, the uh, Paul uh, was, uh, the church here was in Ephesus, and Paul is using the analogy uh, of the uh, Greek Olympic Games where they would train and they would, uh, they would uh, compete naked. But what he's saying is gymnazo or train yourself. It's the same root word for gym or gymnasium, gymnazo. Do you hear that? And so Paul is saying just like, Health requires exercise. Spiritual life requires exercise. There are means that God uses to release that life into our lives. For us to experience in daily life what he has accomplished for us on the cross and the empty tomb. And so those things, that's what we often call spiritual disciplines. Now, I know we've been talking about that for a few months, but the reality is it has to get from here to here, onto your schedule. You know what I'm saying? You can say, I'm going to get more active in 2019. I'm going to do this or do that in 2019, but how many of you know if it doesn't actually get onto your schedule, it will not happen? It won't happen the way it should happen. And so Paul says you've got to exercise yourself. Again, this presumes that you're already alive. How many of you know dead people don't go to the gym? It doesn't do it. The gym doesn't do anything for dead people. These practices will not give you life, but they will cause you to grow into the fullness of what God has for you. 
Have you ever been around somebody and you're like, they seem way more godly than I am? Well, in God's eyes, he doesn't see them any differently, but their experience may be different than yours. Not because God's given them like a greater, you know, gospel than you've received, but they've just exercised it. The Bible says this, I believe it's in Philippians, says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Notice it doesn't say work in your salvation. It says work out your salvation. You cannot work into your salvation, but you can work out the salvation that you've been given. Just like our physical muscles, we, we, we don't work to get life, but we express the life that we have. Jarrett, my brother here, I'm just seeing him. And uh, he is, we, we got the same genes, but we've got different physiques. Did God just bless me naturally with this physique? No, this takes work. Jarrett, does, he works. Uh, we we took a retreat uh, a number of months ago, and I, we were laughing. And there's others of you that I could use as an example. But every five minutes, Jarrett was turning around, going for a run, doing push-ups, doing something. And, um, and the same is true. Now he's feeling embarrassed because I'm putting him on the spot. But uh, it's not because he's just been trying harder. It's because he's been training harder. And sometimes when it comes to our spiritual life, we default into just trying harder, and the answer is not trying, it's in training. I could say, I want to run a half marathon. Well, how many of you know, if I went out to a half marathon, now, don't judge me, I, maybe I could, I don't, y'all don't know. <laughs> but I can't, I'll tell you that. But if I went out and I joined in a New Year's half marathon, or let's just go for the full thing, full marathon, regardless of how hard I try, I'm not running that marathon. Uh, About mile four, I'm on the side of the road, okay? But how would I run a marathon? Not by trying harder, but by training harder. But not through trying and just saying, I'm going to run harder, I'm going to try harder. But I begin to implement the practices in my life that will allow me to become the kind of person that can run a marathon. Oftentimes, we think more about what we are doing rather than who we are becoming. And spiritual exercises are not about just what we do. It's about who we are becoming and God using these practices to form us into his image. And so here's some things. I'm just going to run through this quickly. Some things, spiritual exercises. And I should wear a whistle around my neck this morning and just be a little spiritual trainer, but here's spiritual exercise. All of us uh, need spiritual exercises. So here's just a list of 12 spiritual exercises. Scripture is a spiritual exercise. Now, not everybody has to read through the Bible in a year. Not everybody has to memorize a book of the Bible or a chapter of the Bible, but you need Scripture if you're going to grow spiritually. Jesus engaged with Scripture. Prayer is is a spiritual practice. Jesus met with the Father daily through prayer. Many of us love the idea of prayer, but we don't get down to the brass tacks of planning and actually doing prayer. Fasting. Jesus abstained from food on a regular basis 
in order to cultivate his spiritual life, worship, another spiritual practice. Jesus met with God's people on a weekly basis for worship, right? The Bible says this, that he went to the, the synagogue as was his custom. And so that's a practice of just gathering together. You're already doing it today. Well done. Slowing. Number five, slowing. Now, we've talked about these things, but here's the goal. we got to get it from something, a, a nice message, into an actual practice in 2019. Slowing down. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You will never experience the life of Jesus if you do not adopt the pace of Jesus. Notice Jesus never ran anywhere. He always walked. The average human or, uh, pace for uh, an adult to walk is around three miles per hour. Some of us want to run with Jesus, and he's saying, slow down. So we have to develop practices that help us to slow down. Practical things. Practical things like maybe you start eating your food slower. I know that may seem really simple, but it just helps to slow you down. Maybe the most spiritual thing you can do is start driving a little slower in 2019. Maybe it's reading a little slower, just allowing things, not rushing through life. It's the pace of grace. Number six, rest. Jesus took a weekly Sabbath. You say you're too busy to rest. Well, Jesus was God. He was literally saving the world, and he could take a daily or weekly day off. Okay, so resting, taking time just to reset your heart to, to God. Seven, silence and solitude. If you want to impact the world, you need to step back from the world at times. Jesus would often step back from the crowds of people. Community. Jesus had an inner circle of people that he invested his life into, an inner circle of spiritual relationships. Generosity. Jesus used material possessions for a heavenly purpose. Ultimately, he gave his life for the, so that we could have eternal life. And so if we want to live the Jesus life, if we want to experience abundant life, one of the ways that God is going to do it is through generosity. Maybe for some of us, maybe we need to begin to just practice generosity. Maybe it's in tithing. Maybe it's in offerings. Maybe it's alms. Maybe you need to set up a separate bank account that you just put a, a little bit of money on a monthly basis into that account just to be generous. Why? Not just for the sake of giving that money away, but because of the promise of life that as you give, the, the, the fist of selfishness will begin to loosen, and you will begin to experience the life of God in every area of life. One of the greatest things you can do for a relationship is become a generous person. And so even through tithing or even through giving in church or giving to, to needs like the Russell home or other things, God, it's a spiritual exercise that is working the life of Jesus into your life. So you need a plan for generosity in 2019. Serving. Jesus lived as a humble servant to other people. He, he came not to be served, but to serve. What's your plan for serving in 2019? How much time, let me get real practical, how much time per week are you going to give towards serving? 
And, and remember, it's producing life. As you serve, it's going to work humility into you that will produce life in every area of your life. Maybe you work in a career that everybody else reports to you. Maybe you're at the top of the, the corporate ladder in your work. Well, maybe it's good for you, even in church, to have times where you just do stuff that is serving other people, that is under other people. Why? Not because you have to or you have time to, but because it's good for you to do it. It's just good for your soul to practice serving, ministry. Jesus lived in his divine calling. He said this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. What has God poured out his spirit on your life for? Every one of us is called to ministry. Maybe you've never taken a spiritual gifts test. Maybe you've never explored the way that God has uniquely wired you for, for ministry, but every one of us has been called to ministry. And so as we minister, we're, we're aligning with the life of God to flow into our lives. The last one I want you to see is mission. Jesus shared the good news with people far from God. All of us, I think if we love Jesus, all of us would say, I care about people that are far from God. But how are you orienting your life around these practices? Are you making time to have people, friends who are far from God, over to your house to have a meal together? Are you intentionally rearranging your life around the practices of the life of Jesus? And here's the reality. Our lifestyle cannot give us life, but it will determine our quality of life. Working out will not give you life, but it will, it will cause you to flourish in life. And so if we want to flourish in the life that God has for us, we have to have a doable plan. Now notice this, and I need to hurry up. Notice this. Now I said a doable plan. Paul says exercise yourself. Exercise yourself. That means you're going to have a different spiritual exercise plan than somebody else will. Anybody ever started out the year going, I'm going to read through the Bible this year? And you've never even read like a chapter of the Bible all the way through. That worked for like three days. I've done it before. I'm going to read the whole Bible. I had a friend one time. He never, he never even like hardly opened the Bible. He says, I'm going to read through the Bible three times this year. It's like, bro, it's January 3rd. You're in Habakkuk. Get going. You know? <laughs> And oftentimes, we, at the beginning of the year, we commit to stuff that's just way out of our reach. And I would say this, it's, it, it's better to shoot for something than nothing, but it's better to make an achievable goal than something that's so far out of your reach that you're just never going to accomplish it. A, an achievable goal. And so when it comes to Bible reading, maybe you just say, you know what, I'm going to read a devotional that just has a scripture in it. Now, is there more than that? Absolutely. But if you've never worked out, you don't go, you know, to the CrossFit games to start with, <laughs> right? You, you, you start like jumping jacks, right? Okay. So these are, these are means of grace. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you this week, we're going to be putting out uh, on social media and also emailing to you what we're calling the Jesus Life Plan. 
And I saw some of you taking pictures of these things, and uh, I should have let you know you didn't have to do that. Uh, we're going to put together, or we've put together, we're going to send out to you this plan that just gives these practices um, and, and outlines these things so that you can make a plan for yourself. Not everybody has to do the same thing, but everybody should do something. Now, maybe there's things even not in this this list that are life-giving to you. Remember, the goal is not the practice. The goal is the promise of life. And so there may be some things. These are things that everybody uh, can do and should do in some place. But there's some things maybe unique to the way that God has wired you that are life-giving for you. Don't feel guilty for not doing what someone else is doing. Do, do what God has called you to do and what is doable, whatever produces life in your heart. Maybe for you, it's a walk. And when you go for a walk, you experience the life of God. Maybe for you, it's drinking coffee. That's something for me that I wake up early in the morning and drink a cup of coffee. And it's just like, all is right in the world. And it's not just the coffee. It's, I connect with God through that. Maybe for you, it's going uh, to the park. Maybe it's going to Lou Gardens. Maybe it's uh, going to the beach. And I, I don't mean just go to the beach, but go to the beach as a spiritual discipline with expectation that God's going to give life to you through those things. So you need a doable plan. What's your plan for spiritual growth? Number three, you need committed partners. I'm going to move quickly through these. You need committed partners. How many of you know that when you work out with somebody, it pushes you further than you could go on your own? We, we all can say we're going to do something, but when we commit to someone else, when we share that plan with somebody else, it brings in a level of accountability. The Bible says it this way, two are better than one, but they have a good reward for their labor. And so notice Paul, as he's talking to, to Timothy, he's speaking in the context of the church. Why? Because the church is meant to be the place where we work out our salvation. It's the place where we grow together, where we encourage one another, where we challenge one another, where we say to one another, hey man, I've not seen you in a month. Where you been? Uh, is that too practical? Y'all are here on the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's, so I'm not talking to you. It's the other people, okay? <laughs> where you been? You say you value this, but you're not doing it. Now, we speak the truth in love, right? But we need people, and so every single one of us, we need partners around us, and we also need a coach to encourage us. And so that's why connect groups are so important, and we're also going to be developing what we're calling circles, which are just smaller groups within the connect groups of maybe uh, three to four guys with guys and girls with girls that you can share your Jesus life plan with, People that can hold you accountable. Now, you don't have to do it, but it'll be helpful to do it, okay? And not only that, but Jesus Life coaches, people that you can meet with that can maybe help you to develop the practices of discipleship. Maybe you say, I don't even know, where do I start in the Bible? Well, meet with a Jesus Life coach. They can give you some tips. Maybe, maybe you need to grow in your expression of worship. Meet with a Jesus Life coach. They'll help you. So we need committed partners. Is that, is that good? Is that, it's practical, okay? God has not intended for us to just change on our own. We change in community. We change in community. Sometimes I'd like to just change on my own, 
right? But God uses community to change us, and so we need one another. Number four, not only do we need a clear purpose, a doable plan, committed partners, but the last thing we need as the worship team comes back up is we need reliable power. Reliable power. We've all done it before where we start off the year and we say, 2019 is a new year. Well, the first three days of 2019 are a new year. And about January 4th, 5th, 6th, by the end of January, you've just fallen off the wagon altogether. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because we try to do it in our own power. We try to do it in willpower. And, and your willpower alone, regardless of how much strength you have, psychologists even say this, that willpower is, is depleting. And so willpower enough uh, alone will never be enough to cause you to flourish in the life that Jesus has for you. You need power beyond willpower. You need God's power. And Jesus said this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. There's a lot of conversation today about renewable energy. Renewable energy. Your, your willpower is depleting. But the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit is an everlasting source of power. It's a, a renewable energy source. The Bible says that the mercies of God are new every morning. So on July 17th, when you... The excitement you have on January 1st has worn off. The power of the Holy Spirit is still there. The power of the Holy Spirit is still available to you. Oftentimes we try to do these things out of our own power. We fall so far short. But God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like the analogy, the difference between a motorboat and a sailboat. A motorboat you just put the, the, the fuel in it, and you can make it go. A sailboat is different. You have to adjust to the, the wind. And it may not be as exciting in the moment, but it is more reliable. The wind, when you run out of your own power, the power of the Holy Spirit is there to carry you. That's why even within <laughs> AA, the first of the 12 steps is this. You've got to recognize that you don't have the power. Right now, as we begin 2019, I want to encourage you, make plans. Believe God for big things, great things. In your finances, set bold goals. Set a goal. Maybe it's to, to, to move house. Maybe some of you have never bought a house. I want you to know God is able to give you the energy to work to buy a house. I was going to say he could give you a house, but the way he's going to do it, he's going to give you the energy to work so that you can buy a house. But believe God for it. In your marriage, maybe you feel like your marriage is struggling and languishing, and maybe you feel like, I don't even have any power. God can give you the power of the Holy Spirit to love your spouse, to serve your spouse. Maybe your career, you feel like, man, I've tried everything that I can do. God is able to give you the power to do it. I want to ask you to stand to your feet. I want to pray.